You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. You know, all month long in February, we've been talking about relationships. It's Valentine's. If you don't know, it's Friday. Get your girl something good. It's coming up really quick. But it's about relationships. And um, a couple months ago when Pastor Mikhail actually approached me and asked me if I would preach in the month of February, I, I accepted the invitation. And I was so excited when she told me the topic of the month of relationships because I love people. I love friendships and I love family. If you've been around me any length of time, you know that I'm a family girl. I've got the greatest husband in the world. I've got the greatest girls in the world. And I value family so greatly. And it's something that's really special to me. So this evening, I just want to spend a few minutes talking about family. And uh, just to give you a little bit about my family growing up. So I actually didn't grow up in Seattle. I know a lot of you guys think we're from Seattle. We're not. I actually grew up in Farmington, Minnesota. Farmington, of all the places. There's farms, lots of farms, lots of wheat, lots of cows. It's just interesting, right? But my parents are still there. I grew up with parents, my mom and a dad. It's good. And they still live on the cute little street, Walnut Street there in Farmington, Minnesota, in our little yellow house. And uh, my parents actually were raised Lutheran and Catholic, and they never experienced the full love of Jesus, never had a relationship with Jesus until their 20s, when one of my uncles actually introduced them to Jesus. And for the rest of their life, that changed their life. They accepted Jesus, and they decided that day that they're going to be followers of Jesus. And at that moment, they had my oldest brother, actually, and so they raised us in the church, an assembly of God church, and they came from all sorts of dysfunction, but they did the best they could with what they had to raise us great. And I'm so thankful for my parents. And I've got two big brothers. Anybody a baby of the family? I'm the baby. Baby's rule. We are the best, just so you all know. We're a baby's rule. Anybody a baby that have older brothers? We extra rule. We do. I have two older brothers, and um, I'm pretty sure it was their mission in life actually to torment me. You have no idea what I had to endure growing up, you guys. Like, it's intense. You know. You know if you have big brothers. You may know the, um, where they like, pin you down, and they do like the split slurp- slurpy thing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's so disgusting. I'm sorry I said it. But my brothers used to pin me down, and they would do this little spit thing, and every once in a while, it wouldn't quite make it back up, and it would land on this girl's face, and they would run for their lives because they knew it was about to go down, and I was about to throw a chair or something at them. It happened, people. I did throw chairs at my brothers. They deserved it. But when it comes to family, I've got my whole gamut of drama. I love my family. I honor my family. But we've got a whole heck of a mess. And um, it makes me feel a lot better that I don't only have a family drama mess, but there's a whole lot of drama in the Bible and dysfunction in the Bible. And I was Googling, and I found the top 10 dysfunctional families in the Bible. I'm just going to share a few of my favorites with you to start off to make you feel a little bit better about your family, all right? So how about the first family? You got Adam and Eve. They had two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain killed his brother Abel. A little dysfunction there. I'm not such a bad sister after all. You know, I didn't kill anybody. You've got Abraham's family. Abraham and Sarah, they really wanted to have a baby. Sarah was really old. It was kind of impossible. But 
Abraham actually got tired of waiting, ended up sleeping with his maid, got her pregnant. Not a good day. Not a good choice. Yeah, King David, who ended up sleeping with his uh, next-door neighbor's wife, got her pregnant and killed her husband to cover it up. I mean, come on. There is so much dysfunction in the Bible. But God still used them, and God still did incredible things with those families despite their dysfunction. And so, you know, when it comes to tonight, I want to share a building a healthy family, a culture of family where your family can thrive and establish something incredible. And, you know, when you start getting married, you know, when you're little or younger, you, you imagine building a life and building a family and building a home. You never picture of having it end in tragic chaos. You never imagine on your wedding day ending up in divorce. You know, last week I, I do real estate and I was doing a listing appointment and I walked into this home. It's a beautiful home. And on the walls, you could see all the beautiful wedding photos that were scattered all over with the beautiful dress and just the happiest of days with all their family and friends. But between that day of those photos and the day that I was meeting them, something has gone tragically wrong and they're deciding to divorce. I'm pretty sure on their wedding day, that was never the plan. So you know what I want to do? I want to get a divorce. But something happened. You don't picture it tragically ending, having brokenness in your family, your family falling apart, kids going off the rails. However, so many of us are experiencing this. So many people end in tragic chaos with their family, and I hate it. But what I found is you have to be intentional if you want to create a strong, healthy home, a strong, healthy marriage, a strong, healthy family. You have to be intentional about it. And so I want to share this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast. It's not proud, it doesn't dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and also always perseveres. When I think of family, I think about that chapter. When you have a family, this is the type of characteristics that we should have. We should always love, always be patient, always be kind. And, you know, when Samuel, at the, Samuel and I at the young age of 21 decided to get married, we had a decision to make to how we were going to do our life and our marriage and eventually add a couple kids in the mix and what we wanted to do to create a healthy family. And I've learned a lot of things along the way, and I'm still learning a heck of a lot of things as well. But in the next few minutes, I just want to share a few things with you that I feel are some of the most incredible things that you can do to build a culture of a healthy and strong family relationship. Are you guys ready? All right, let's do it. The first thing is fight for unity. You know, growing up, my mom always had a saying, when one or more are gathered, there will always be a difference of opinion. Has anybody experienced that? Nobody thinks like you, what? I always think I married into the Duth family, and every Christmas, there's six of them, and now they have six spouses, so there's 12 of us, and then there's a mom and a dad, and then there's 23 children in the mix at this point, and every Christmas, we gather at this Christmas table. How many of you guys know there's a million different opinions at that table who are very loud? I love my Duth family. They're epic, and it's so great. It's so great. They are loud. You're allowed to. It's good, babe. I love it. That's why I married you. 
you know, it's so good to have a different mix at the table, different perspectives, different strengths that everybody brings to the table in a family. However, if you don't see it as good, it can get really bad. If you don't begin to appreciate and value all the diversity in your family, it can go really sour. But great families have diversity. Great teams have diversity. They add strength, and we should celebrate them. Because as a family, we should be working as a team, right? We should be coming to the table with all our best strengths and working together and fighting for each other. I love in Psalm 133, it says, How wonderful, how beautiful, when brothers and sisters get along. You know, this is an area that I have to continually fight for in my personal family, is getting along and working with each other. You see in my family, we are all currently fighting against each other instead of for each other. So in my personal family, not Samuel and I, we're good people. Don't worry about us. We're good. This is getting weird. (laughs) But through the decades in my growing up, there has just been a lot of stuff that's happened in my family. There's been Christmases that have gone sour. There's been words that have been exchanged and nobody said sorry. There's been behaviors and attitudes that have happened And we've continually just allowed it to become a wedge in our family. And um, I actually have a uh, brother, actually two brothers, but my my middle brother, Tom, his name is, um, he actually struggles with addiction. And even to this day, he struggles severely with alcoholism and is currently homeless. And um, it was a couple weeks before Christmas that I remember my mom called and she said, you know what, I'm so excited. Um, Tom is actually going to be in a Christian rehab facility. And I just thought, oh my God, this is it. He's going to find Jesus. He needs Jesus so bad and he needs help in this area of his life. He needs practical help and tools, but he also needs spiritual help in his heart to break some of this stuff off that has just kept him for so long. And we were so excited And um, fast forward to a couple weeks ago, so now we're in January, I get another call from my oldest brother to say, hey, did you hear? Tom's actually left rehab. My heart just sunk, and I was like, oh, God, this was our moment to get his life back. Like, I thought you were going to do something awesome. And it, it just troubled me, clearly. And I reached out to my parents and just said, hey, I heard this happened, dot, 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 I'd love to offer any help if there's anything I can do. And over the course of the next couple days, I had many conversations with my oldest brother on one hand, and then my mom with one conversation, and my dad. But what I found is we have so much stuff that has gotten between all of us siblings of, he did this, so now I'm not going to help him. Now, he doesn't respect me, so now I'm not going to help him. And I found after those conversations that we were no longer working as a team. We were no longer unified. We had allowed all the garbage through the years to become wedges. We are no longer a team. And I remember saying to my dad, if we could just get along and work together as a team, this would be a whole lot easier. And how true that is in so many of our families. If we would just work together in unity and celebrate and forgive and look past, we would be able to work together. God created family to help each other, and that's who we should be. And, you know, when I think about unity and family, what does that look like? What does it mean to fight for unity? What does that look like? I just go back to 1 Corinthians 13. It's being patient with each other. It's being kind to each other. It's not dishonoring each other. It's protecting each other, always hoping, always persevering for each other, no matter what. 
and watching the seeds that we sow within our family within unity and watching the actions and the words that we speak within our family. What types of seeds are we sowing within our family with how we act and how we talk to them? You know, and it always starts with a mom and a dad, husband and a wife. What kinds of things are we modeling in unity within our, in our marriage? You know, what are we saying? What do I say to my husband? What does he say to me? How, what kind of actions is he doing? Is it bringing us together in unity or is it actually creating a wedge? You know, early on in our marriage, Samuel, thank God for his patience with me. Because I was not raised to fight for unity and didn't even know how to do that, there would be many times that we would have difficult topics come up or difficult situations in our life. And Samuel would gently, constantly just remind me, we've got to work through this. We've got to work together on this. We've got to get through this together. And I would be as stubborn as I'll get out and just be like, I am fine. (laughs) But I'm thankful for a husband who would risk sleeping on the couch, being cold for a night to fight for the unity on my behalf for our marriage and for our family as well and our kids to come. Same with parents. Parents and kids, watch your words and watch your actions that you're saying to your family and to your children. I can't tell you how many times it's so easy with family or as a parent or et cetera to to share maybe something that's hurt you. I've had my parents tell me things that's hurt them about my siblings, and I have nothing to do with it. But what that creates is bitterness in me against them. Watch your words and your actions of what you're sowing into your children. Always use your words to draw each other back together, not create this little plant a seed of bitterness that's going to grow into something that's going to get out of control, and you're not going to want And same with your siblings. Gosh, I get a lot of calls from my oldest brother of, oh my gosh, you know what he did now? (laughs) What are you saying? You know what? I don't like to participate in the drama. If it's a productive conversation and I can be of help, I am there. I'm there for you. But if it's just to gossip about another another lap around the mountain, I don't want anything to do with it. That there's no there's no help in that. It just creates disunity, and we're already a mess, and we don't need more of a mess, so I'm always trying to corral us back to focus, to work together. So we have to fight for unity in our families. Amen? Is this really my note? Yeah, it is. These got out of order. Hang on one second, you guys. I'm missing page five. Oh, snap. I found it. Don't worry, everybody. Number two. Everybody say number two. Believe the best in each other. Let's be honest. Sometimes it can be really difficult to believe the best in someone. Sometimes family can do some crazy stuff. Crazy being an understatement. And it's so easy to look at the worst in your family, but you have to choose to look for the best. You have to constantly look. You know, a lot of times there's situations that, you, that they look kind of hopeless. There's a lot of situations in my family that look pretty hopeless. Like, this is probably never going to change, or this individual is probably never going to get over this. So this is never going to change. But my job is to keep believing the best in them. And you got you to gotta do it, guys. We're Christians. Isn't that like what Jesus says to do? Like... Don't stop believing. Oh, no, that's a song. I have so many reasons 
to not believe the best. I have so many situations to not believe the best. Your family can dish you some stuff. Your family and your siblings can dish you some stuff. But my job isn't to box them in and not keep believing that there's going to be growth in this situation, that this situation isn't always going to look like this, that this can look different, that this person can change and have hope and keep speaking life into them that they can change and that they are changing. And don't just box them in as what they were, but keep believing that they're growing in areas into the godly person that you want them to be and to lead the way you want them to leave and handle the things that you want them to handle well. We have to keep believing the best. I think the saddest thing is when family no longer believes in each other. How sad is it when a family no longer has hope for each other and they're just like, eh, losers. That's the saddest thing to me. And I experienced that with my family, within my, my father and my oldest brother. They, they no longer believe. They've let hope die, that there's any potential that this one brother could ever come out of this. And our job as Christian and believers is to fight on their behalf, to believe, to keep believing. They are going to overcome this. They are going to come be, get out of this and have the life that God intended them for. You've got to keep speaking to that. Always hope for the best. And don't even just look for the best, speak the best. Begin to prophesy and declare over those situations, declaring over your family, this is going to look all different in a year. I can tell God's doing something incredible. I can tell that relationship is being restored. I can tell these people are coming out of it, and we are going to have a good Christmas next Christmas. We're going to have so much fun, and we're going to laugh like we used to. You have to keep believing the best and speaking the best no matter what it looks, creating an atmosphere in your homes that you're cheering each other on. We've got two girls, and uh, you guys know them, most of you. They're very different. We have one older one who's very sporty, athletic soccer player, and then we've got our little ballerina who's all things hair, nails, makeup. If it sparkles, she wants to buy it. But it's so often they can compete with each other and not cheer each other on because they don't like the other sport. (laughs) And we constantly remind them we cheer each other on. We are a family that cheers each other on. When people are around us, we want them to think, oh my gosh, they're going for it. They're so excited for their siblings and their spouse. Create a culture in your home, an atmosphere that you're constantly cheering each other on and speaking the best and planting those seeds. Encourage people. Speaking good, encourage your family. When you see something nice, say it. Don't just think it. Don't assume they know it. Say it and speak it. There's so much power in your words. So much power in your words. You know, I love, um, I love this. Encouragement is not a reward. It's a catalyst. Encouragement is not a reward. It is a catalyst. It's not a reward for good behavior. It's not a reward for doing good, what I think you should do in my family. It's actually a catalyst that can open somebody's heart towards you and help shape the direction of their life. You know, a couple weeks ago when I was chatting with my mom, I just took a moment and just said some really nice things to her. And just said, Mom, you're doing really good with this. And I'm so proud of you. And I think this is so wise that you're doing this. And she just paused in a quiet way and just said, thank you so much. It's nice to hear those things. I don't often hear those. 
Create a culture to speak encouragement. Breathe life into people in your family. Breathe encouragement back into them. Philippians 4.8, summing it up all, friends, I'd say you'll do the best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Always look for the best in your family. Always look for the good in your family. Always look for opportunities to speak life and plant those seeds of encouragement in their life. Amen? Amen. And the last, but certainly not the least, we got to forgive each other. So hard. Why? It's true. Just do it, people. It's going to make your life better. There have been so many times I've had to apologize to my husband or to my family. <laughs> Done some crazy stuff. Being the baby sister, I'm a little bit spicy. Um, or maybe stubborn or just get agitated because you know that your big brothers know the right buttons to push to make you just fly and go into Crazyville, right? Maybe it's all siblings, actually. And I'm thankful they have husbands, too, I guess, from the front row. We'll have prayer after service. It's all good. It's good. This is good. Thank you, inner healing. It's coming, people. But I can't tell you, <laughs> earlier in our marriage, Samuel would let me just go to my family's house, and that was never a good idea because my big brother would just push all those buttons or Samuel would go to the bathroom, and he would come back to find me, like, cussing my family out on Christmas. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh, it's a real thing. It's not even made up, people. And he'd be like, I leave you for like three minutes and then you're swearing at your family and we are pastors, like what the heck? I don't know what happened, I'm so sorry. And I'd be like, guys, I'm really sorry. I didn't handle myself really well. I'm so thankful. Oh my gosh. Am I the only one? Yeah, I know, I know. That's why I put it in there to make myself feel better about myself. Yeah, Samuel had five boys in his family, so lots of forgiveness happening there. But thankfully, they forgave me as far as I know. I don't know. <laughs> but there's always opportunities all the time for us to get hurt and offended by our family. And you got to take care of the little infections that can start in your heart as a result of those little things that have been done to you or said to you, etc. Otherwise, if you don't take them out of your heart, it eventually grows into a bigger and bigger and bigger infection and eventually affects your entire life. You know, Mercedes, a couple weeks before Christmas, lots of things happening around Christmas for our family. But she had this like little blister on the back of her leg and no big deal, just kids get weird stuff. I don't know. So we ended up like putting a bandage on it and we traveled home to Minnesota for Christmas and she's 10 so it's not like I'm bathing her or I'm doing any of those things helping her get dressed she does that all on her own clearly otherwise that would be weird but we get home back to San Diego and she's like mom I have like this weird sore still back on the back of my leg and she just never took care of it she never took care of the little wound and it eventually grew it was gross I'm not going to go into detail because that's gross but it was infected, and it was deep, and it was disgusting. And we had to go in for almost an entire week, three times a day, pour peroxide on it, put ointment on it, new Band-Aid. After school, peroxide, kill, kill the infection. 
put the ointment on, put the Band-Aid again and again and again. And how much is that like unforgiveness? Something happens to us. Somebody says something. They act in a way that they shouldn't act towards us. And if we don't pluck that out, I am telling you, that will wreck your life. It doesn't just disappear. It eventually grows and festers and gets out of control to the point where it's destroying your life in every single way. Take care of that unforgiveness. Forgiveness is a constant habit, consistent cleaning up. If, if you don't, the hurt grows, gets deeper, becomes more infected, and begins to infect other areas of your life around it. You know, when I was looking, um, this Bible verse, it's a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up bones. Proverbs 17, 22. I was Googling and I couldn't quite remember the reference, but I knew the concept of if you don't take care of your stuff, it's going to affect your life and dry up your bones and affect your body. And I had Googled it and I ended up getting all of these studies about unforgiveness and the effects of it on your health not Christian studies. There was nothing Bible related. It was all these medical studies. Dr. Matt probably knows more because he's a doctor. But it was all of these effects of unforgiveness and how it affects your heart and your life and your physical body. Not even your heart and your spirit, but your physical body and how it destroys it. And I just thought, oh my gosh, cardiovascular disease, high blood pressure, like the list went on and on for not forgiving somebody. You have to pluck that out of your heart. Don't allow it to ruin your life. I have watched my mother over the last two decades hold on to unforgiveness, whether it was from her past, things that my brothers did. They did all sorts of shenanigans. (laughs) I did too. I'm not perfect. My dad, and I've watched this Bible verse play out for her, that she's allowed unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and anger and hurt to just fester in her heart and watched her physical heart actually deteriorate, watched her physical life deteriorate, isolation, lack of friendships, and actually has sabotaged our family as a result of all this stuff that has been undealt with. It's not a little deal, it's a big deal. You have to forgive, you have to get that out of your life. It's a cancer, it will kill you. And I could easily hang on to unforgiveness myself, but I constantly keep having to forgive again and again and again and again. And just when you think you're done with it and you've forgiven that person, allow God to come in again and again. It's kind of like Mercedes wound. You're like, again, is this not dealt with? But if you don't, what's the option? There is no good option. You have to move on. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and help you release and forgive and let go. You know, when it comes to that, it's hard. And in the last four years, I have watched my life be healed in a way that only God can do, being planted in this church in this area. I've had to learn to do all of these things, and I still am preaching to myself of believing the best, forgiving, fight for unity, even when you just want to like pout and be a jerk too. (laughs) But God has done something so incredible in, in the soil of this church to heal my heart in the area of family and relationships that it's just opening up, you know, and you may think like, oh my gosh, I am the only person struggling in this room like this. Well, now, you know, me too. I don't have a perfect family either but we're fighting for it and we're believing. And I love that we create space for us to get help 
and space for our lives to get healed up so we can have those incredible, healthy family relationships. We've got our, all of our men on Tuesday mornings just lifting up prayers together. I see pictures that looks amazing and scary all in one. <laughs> all these guys. But how thankful am I to have men that can come together and pray for each other. Women's prayer on Thursday mornings. Same thing. We can be real with each other and say, hey, we're really struggling with this. Can you help me walk through this? Get help. Allow people to come along the journey with you. You're only as sick as your secrets. Don't keep it a secret. Allow God to bring people, the right people in your life and allow people to help you walk through this and allow the Holy Spirit to come in and heal those areas that he can heal only in the way he can. Even when it looks like you can, it's going to be impossible. You know, imagine today if you were to forgive somebody in your family. What would that look like? How would that change things? Would you find freedom that you don't have to keep that little book of all the things they did? I've done that. Well, last year they didn't give me a gift, so guess what? You're not getting a gift. <laughs> you said this to me. Don't dish evil for evil. Don't do that. Heap kindness. And I can say that is one thing that I have learned, and I'm thankful that I still have decent relationship with everyone in my family because Samuel and I have fought for health in our family and in my family specifically. And my big brother, who used to just not like me, loves me and thinks I'm the most awesome sister now because I allowed God to heal some parts of my heart. Some of the stuff that had gone on with him and not allowed that to create a massive wedge where he and I can at least work together and help our family and continue to believe and pray for our family that once again, and I know that can be for you too. Allow people in, allow God in to heal those things so that you can have everything in your heart that you desire and that God created you for. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.